Welcome to Fangirl Happy Hour. Today, I am here with KJ, our MCU correspondent, to talk about something that's definitely not MCU-related. We're here to talk about Black Wolves by Kate Elliott. She is a new editor of Lady Business, a blog that I co-edit with my friend Jody, and you can find her on Dreamwith at Almus and on Tumblr at Life of KJ. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. I got it right. I did it. Yay! Ten points. So yeah, we're here to talk about Black Wolves, because I love Black Wolves, and you love Black Wolves. I do love Black Wolves. Yes. And I love Kate Elliott because you got me into Kate Elliott. I know, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of myself. Let's talk about where we started with her. Because I think her backlist, in case everybody doesn't know, because I mean, I don't know (laughs) how you don't know, but it's massive. It's a big backlist. Like, if you put her backlist in, like, a pillowcase, it wouldn't fit. You'd have to get, like, four or five pillowcases. (laughs) And then you could just go to war. (laughs) The Kate Elliott pillowcase war. Yes. Epic. It's intense. It's intense. And then she'd write a story. Then she'd write an epic novel about it and that would also be epic yeah so i got into her with cold magic so did i um in fact i got into it with cold magic cold magic because um you renee loved cold magic and told me to read it Really? yes i'm super proud Um, of myself go me i had it's because because kate elliott's backlist is so massive i'd always you know looked at her shelf in the bookstore and gone wow i have no idea where to start so i didn't (laughs) So getting a rack um, was absolutely what I needed to get into her. I read Cold Magic, and um, I devoured that series, and I loved it. And so that's where I started with Kate Elliott. And that's really interesting that's- to me, because I didn't know she existed before Cold Magic. I forget where I saw I think I saw her wrecked at the Book Smuggler. Uh-huh. And they, and they reviewed the series, and they really loved it. And then there was another review that went around on Tumblr that was just, like, caps lock. It was, mm-hmm. it was wonderful. And uh-huh. so I was like, okay, well, I'll give it a try. And so I bought the first as an ebook, Cold Magic. I bought it as an ebook. And I think I read it like on a car trip. Huh. Because I could, that was when I was discovering the magic of like reading books on my phone. Mm-hmm. And so it would get dark and I'd be like, I can still read. <laughs> and so pro- probably that's a big reason why I got attached to that book. Cause I'm like, I can just, I don't even have to stop. I can just go through it. And so I had never read her before. I didn't know she existed. I didn't know she had a huge backlist. I didn't know that she had been writing since the eighties. I was just kind of like, wow, like where has this author been where she's doing all these things that I want to see in epic fantasy that I've been missing the shelves here, like growing up, uh, she was never on the shelf here at all, <laughs> ever anywhere. Uh-huh. So, I only started seeing her on shelves after Cold Magic, actually. Interesting. Here. Like, in my, like, rural neck of the woods. Uh-huh. So I just think it's really funny that it took me so long. Uh-huh. So long. So embarrassing long. Funny is probably not the right <laughs> word. Depressing. <laughs> right. Because be. it's so hard to find. Yeah. But I love that whole trilogy, Spirit, the Spirit Walker trilogy. It's so... <laughs> It's so great. And if you haven't read it, you should definitely just go read it. Just go buy it and read it. Or the library might have it and you can get it there. If they don't, you need to talk to a librarian. Be like, and hey, they yes. hook me up. Yes. So the interesting thing is that, you know, after I read the Spirit Walker trilogy and loved it, I'm like, okay, well, time to go read the rest. And the first book that I picked up was Spirit Gate, which is um, the first book in the Crossroads trilogy. Is that right? Yep. And yep. That's this. That's the world. That's also the setting of Black Wolves. I picked up Spirit Gate, and the first character you meet in Spirit Gate is Merritt, 
And Merit is this middle-aged woman who rides and has a partnership with a giant eagle that she rides around the world. And she, you know, she has this job uh, she's of being a reeve where she dispenses justice. And she was super awesome. And she had, you know, a much, uh, her much younger lover was this man. And it was, she was really fantastic. And I totally fell in love with her. And then within the first hundred pages, she vanishes. And she's like not in the story anymore. I was so bummed that I wasn't going to get to read a story about this, this awesome older lady that I never quite settled into the rest of the book and I never finished it. Jody and I read Spirit Gate together, which uh-huh. I also had the same problem as you, which is that I got to the part where she vanishes from the narrative and it switches to, like, it was like a time skip or whatever. Yeah, and, of, of many years. Yeah, and so you meet this dude who is just basically a grump and just walks around being <laughs> grumpy. And so I'm like, oh, so we're following him this entire book. Okay, that's great. <sighs> This poor guy. He didn't. Des- he didn't deserve. He didn't deserve my derision. But I was just so sad that we didn't get to follow this other person who exactly. I really wanted yeah. to read the story about. Yeah, and I'm just really curious if that was like why that decision. I'm still like I haven't finished that series yet. I'm going to. I have the second mm-hmm. two to read, uh-huh. and I really want to finish it because I really like this world. But I mm-hmm. just find it really fascinating i kind of want to go i kind of want to go to kate and be like hey was this like a thing that you did because older women characters wouldn't sell in epic fantasy like was this like a decision that you that you made on purpose but i feel like that might be rude too because maybe she's telling the story that she wants to tell i'm sorry right right i'm sorry that i like this random random character way more than your main character (laughs) no right it was like it was definitely epic. Fan- it was epic fantasy that that first book, yeah. and it was really kind of hard to get through mm-hmm. because it's really interesting to go back into her back catalog and see how she uh-huh. changed. Because uh-huh. I think she's way better at laying her stories now because that's how she tells her stories. As as far as mm-hmm. I can tell in all her books that I've read, she'll give you some information, but you really don't get the. You really have to read the whole book to get everything right. layered in a way that you can understand it. And Mm -hmm. if you quit at like 50 pages, that just means that she might like be the author for you. If you need to have like answers Mm -hmm. doled out to you in a certain way, which is totally a valid way to write a book, but that's not the kind of author she is. She's really building these really intricate worlds. Yeah. Well, normally I am able to roll with that and it certainly wasn't a problem for me in the spirit Walker trilogy. Um, I think part of it is I, you know, I I set the book aside because there was like some new book that had just, I wanted to read more. And I just never got around to picking it back up again. And I do want to finish it, especially now that I've read Black Wolves and um, I've seen sort of how everything played out a generation later. Um, I'm really curious now to go back and see how we got to this state that we're in in Black Wolves. So it is, you know, it remains on my to read list. And to a certain extent, I, I felt like I wasn't being entirely fair to the book because, you know, Kate Elliott tells the story she wants to tell, not necessarily the story I want her to tell. A lot of the- in some ways, backstory for how much, for one of the big reasons I love Black Wolves, and that's because, um, although Black Wolves isn't Merritt's story, it is, we do have um, Donara, who is, in many ways, the character I was hoping Merritt would be. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah. She's, you know, she's this older woman. She's the Reeve. She has uh, this, uh, you know, she, again, does this thing where she flies around the world and this, and... You know, she plays politics and she makes mistakes and she's 
really, really interesting. And, you know, she's one of the main, one of the main characters in this story and one of the main drivers in this story. That was one of the things that I, one of the main reasons I fell in love with this book so much. Before we go into like actual spoilers and PS guys, there's going to be spoilers in this podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, please go read the book. It's only 800 pages. You have that kind of time. It's fine. There was a review that came out of Black Wolves. I don't remember if it came out before the book released or after. It was in Publishers Weekly. The review, and I've gone on about this before, I'm sure. Everybody's like, <laughs> oh, God, not again. This review <laughs> erased every female character in Black Wolves. It talks about Kellis, who is one of the main characters. It talks about Atani, and it talks about, I think it mentions one of the other uh, male characters who has, who's I think of as minor, but has a really big impact on the plot. Mm-hmm. And it just completely erases Denara from the narrative. It erases, is it Sarah? I, I, I pronounced her not her name Sarah. I think I heard it as Sari in my head, but or Sarai. This yeah, is the downside of, of downside of fantasy names. <laughs> Saray would also work. That's true. So she's a main character too, and then you have Lifka, who's also like uh-huh. she's not a main character, but she's like a supporting character to to Denara's story. They're right. They're, they're their stories intersect in really important ways. So mm-hmm. this Publishers Weekly review just completely ignored the female characters. They ignored them. And I got so angry. <laughs> so I think if you like go and like read my Barnes & Noble review, you can see me tossing shade at that Publishers Weekly review that was mm-hmm. like, how are you going to get paid for this when you just completely misrepresented the book? Because if like I had read that review about Black Wolves... I would have gone, oh, another epic fantasy about dudes. I don't want to read that. And then I would have missed this book yeah. completely. Yeah. And I get really worried because when reviewers are misrepresenting Kate's work, and this is not the first time I've watched it happen, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to her portrayal of female characters, people miss out in the books. Like, they just don't see them because when the reviewers are not properly explaining what the plot is and I don't understand how in the world you could summarize this book and remove Denara from it because she is kind of the fuel that makes everything go in a lot of ways. Pretty much. Yeah. It it almost sounds like he, the author, the publisher's weekly reviewer read the prologue and just assumed that the whole book was like that. I have written so many reviews of this book. I wrote one for Barnes & Noble. I wrote (laughs) one for Lady Business. I wrote something on Tumblr. Right. Uh, I I got really excited about this book because I'm like, this is what I want. Black Wolves is what I want from Epic Fantasy. I want really complicated, layered worlds where the answers aren't easy. Uh-huh. And I mean, a lot of people want Epic Fantasy that's just like you know, you know, magic and it's straightforward adventure. But I mean, that's fine yeah. if you if you want that, if you need that in your Epic Fantasy. But I just really, for me, Epic Fantasy is a lot of work, and I have to like the names and magic systems and world building. If I'm going to put the effort in to read an epic fantasy, I really, really want it to, like, also give me something to chew on, like, character-wise mm-hmm. or politics-wise. That's, uh-huh. that's, and maybe the answers aren't so easy. Like, maybe you go, into a, you go into a book and you want to be challenged sometimes. And that's really what mm-hmm. I want for my, my epic fantasy to do. I realize I'm probably in the minority here. I'm real sorry <laughs> that I'm like this. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I just want an easy-to-read trope fest, but most of the time I would like to be challenged. I like politics in my epic fantasy, which is, oh, there's so much politics in this. It's great. 
I do like surprises and there were definitely thing, there were definitely ways this story went that I wasn't expecting. Like there were a few things um, I would say, particularly around Gil and Sarai's relationship that I thought was going to go a certain way. And then it really didn't. Oh, wow. That, yeah, that was fascinating. I did not see that coming at all. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we're going to tell a story. Of, I guess I, I don't know why I do this, where I assume that Elliot is going to take, like, really tired tropes, you know, arranged marriage, whatever, uh-huh. and, like, just play them straight. But she, of course not. Renee, of course. What, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> we should have known better. We should have known better. So, like, coming away from the book, actually, that ended up being my favorite, like, like it was like a super cute little romance. It was. It was great. And I was just like, oh my god, this is adorable. And, like, the way she made it work, it's like, mm-hmm. you really feel really torn at the end because, spoilers, it does not, it is not a happy ending yet for those two. No, it's really not. Mostly what I liked about it is because they, she brought them together and she made this really cute romance and she got you invested in it. And now she's separated them and, mm-hmm. and very, so they get to go on and have their own stories that are very, very important to themselves in the narrative. Right. Like, Sarai didn't disappear into Gil's narrative when they Not got together. All. And it's wonderful because, I mean, so much yeah. of the time you see with arranged mar- marriages in epic fantasy, mm-hmm. in my experience, anecdotally, they get together and then the woman vanishes. Yeah. To be subsumed into whatever narrative line the author wants to take the male character through. Right. That does not but happen But instead here. they get they get completely different um completely different stories, completely different character arcs. Um and it does involve separating them eventually, but um at the beginning they're actually they're not. They're still have they even though they're still together, they're still having their own separate stories and I liked that. So the problem that I had, I think with the book was that the world building was really fleshed out and very solid. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe if I had come to Black Walls with the whole Crossroads trilogy uh, under my belt, I might have made, like, it, some of it might have made more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the world building with the, um, how do you pronounce, like, re Amarai, is that how you pronounce uh-huh. the Serae's people? Right, yeah, I don't know, but that's that's good. Um, yeah, we'll go so, but, like, the way their culture worked and mm-hmm. the way they treat their women. Yeah. Because I have one book, I have the spirit gate under my belt where I can see how the hundred was mm-hmm. and then you read Black Wolf and you see how the hundred is now this land mm-hmm. and it's so drastically different right that I feel like having I mean it doesn't hurt at all to have um to come into Black Wolves without the Crossroads trilogy that's not what I'm saying at all you can definitely come yeah. into this book and read it as an epic fantasy with like the world building completely works by itself mm-hmm. because like that's what I'm. That's what I meant when, earlier when I said Denara was the fuel that makes it go because but because she's so much older and mm-hmm. she's seen the hundred when her father like quote unquote rescued it um, versus how it is now. You can see the changes through her and mm-hmm. although she's really biased and a little bigoted, uh, yeah, you can still like it doesn't make it it doesn't make it hard to see the changes because right. it's represented really well through her perspective. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's clearly, even though I, I do wonder having only gotten a glimpse of this world through spirit gate, the part of spirit gate that I did read and not having gotten, you know, I wonder how differently I would have read it if I had known more about the backstory. 
But there's also a clear sense as she's telling the story that the gap between the prologue and the rest of the book, that a lot of stuff happened there and um, the way she sort of makes that a mystery and then, and doles that out. Um, the pacing on that actually worked really well for me. I know. I was so, I was so impressed with the Nara's host, like her and Kellis. You can tell like there's something that happened because right. when you, in the prologue, I mean, we meet Kellis when he's young and Denara is really young. Uh-huh. And then you have that huge like that huge gap, which I kind of wonder is like, is, it, is that a thing in these books? It's going to be interesting to see on the sequel. Cause the cause spirit gate does that too. Mm-hmm. And so we, there's this huge gap and you just don't know what happened, but you see all these characters and how they re- interact with each other. And you're like, Whoa, there's a, so there is a story underneath uh-huh. all that contempt. Yeah. Yes. And, and how did they get from here to there? Yeah. And so that, that's kind of why Denara her story just works so well for me. It's why I came away just loving this book. Like, even if I had hated all the other storylines, like with Gil mm-hmm. or Kellis or Sarai, I, I don't think I would have cared because Denara's story was so great and so well yeah. put together. The one thing that fascinated me most was the way that Elliot showed sexism. Mm-hmm. I thought that was fascinating because right. you see Denara make a point, like, late in the book, because they have all these reeve halls in the hundred. And mm-hmm. they have, each of them have a marshal, and mm-hmm. the, the marshal's in charge of the Reeves, but what happens is the government is out of control because um, the king is not strong. I think the king at this point is Denara's nephew. Ne- nephew. Yeah. Oh, family lives in the story. It's hard. So he's not strong at all. He's letting everything get out of control. He, years previous, he, like, demoted her. Right. Um, and so he lets his, I don't know... Because the his name is Jahash, but he has is it is Tavahash his brother or son? I think I don't remember. <laughs> See, I don't know. But anyway, so this little—it's one of the two. I think little, it's his son. His, his son, yeah. So this little upstart is like going around imprisoning women and taking away their eagles, right? And then citing he, some sort of religious precedent. Yeah. And so you get this part of the book where they're having the ceremony that's completely ridiculous, where they're forcing eagles to take yeah. to bond with mm-hmm. people who are not they don't want to bond with, which is gross. Right. right. And Denara makes this point where she's like, "If we undo this now, if you lock up the women, if you take, if you don't let them just to eagles, like in a generation, people won't remember it'll be lost." And the guy's like, "Well, that's kind of the point. Like, cause right. if you're living in a if you're living in a system where it's been and like." in a certain way and you don't remember how it was before. Right. And Anna and I have had this discussion like several times in like the, in like with star Wars, especially how mm-hmm. the star Wars canon and how memory functions with regards to history. So this mm-hmm. is, this book does that very same thing where it talks about how memory and history are so complicated and it's right. so easy to forget history. And I think that the fact that she uses feminism and sexism and misogyny because it's definitely misogyny in this book with these dudes. Yes. To make that point, it's, like, perfect. Yeah. And I just really love how she did it. And I was like, well, I just want to write a love note. But I wrote her <laughs> five reviews, so is <laughs> six reviews creepy? I don't know. What is the limit for reviewing the book that you loved? I don't, I don't know. know if there's one. But, but, yeah, so that part really got me, like, really hit me hard. Mm-hmm. And it's why yeah. it's one of the ways where I think that some of the work that Kate Elliott is doing in epic fantasy is so important. And mm-hmm. she's like, she's really grappling 
with issues that Epic Fantasy as a field is kind of, you know, kind of struggling through. I mean, there are mm-hmm. other authors obviously doing the same thing where they're taking really tired things, tropes, themes, uh, other authors that are doing it, like Cameron Hurley's doing it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, I'm now blanking on other authors who are doing it as well. Good job, self. Good work. No, that does that does seem to be a thing right now, yeah. Because the genre feels like it has to start dealing with the fact that Grimdark was a thing, and part of right. Grimdark was making everything shitty, right? especially for like marginalized identities, just for the sake of making it shitty. The 100 as a world that Kate Elliott has built is kind of shitty right now, but it's not all shitty, and right. it's possible to make it better. But you can still tell a story about hardship without making the whole world like a crap sack. And I think that the work she's doing here is super important. And the Nara story is sort of grappling with those issues of how to write an epic fantasy that's adventurous while also dealing with social issues that are really, really relevant to both mm-hmm. the field and society and culture as we know it right now. But I think it's hard to talk about Dinara without also talking about Atani, who right. is Dinara's brother, who we right. only meet for a really short time when they're young. Mm-hmm. And in that big gap of time, Atani is killed. And that's the time right. we, we don't really see it. We see it in like flashbacks we, in the book later. We see flashbacks, and they talk about it, of course, because it's. I mean, that is the big. That's the big thing that kind of changed everything. Was Atani getting killed, and his son becoming king, who um, is not a particularly good king, and I think everybody knows that he's not a particularly good king. But that's 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 how it works when you live in a monarchy (laughs) i haven't decided whether the book is actually specifically critiquing the monarchy and all of the the problematic issues that happen when you just have one family in charge um and people don't get to have any any say in that or if it's just sort of the realities the realities of the situation i was curious because i got the read from atani and especially kellis's storyline that Mm -hmm. he and atani were actually planning to like do away with it like they right. were, they were a, and I don't know how correct it. But they were deliberately attempting to. I don't think it actually goes in the book. Actually, like makes it explicit, but like mm-hmm. the hints I get from like later, you see uh, Kellis confront the person who like organized Atani's death. Right. Um, you see the you see it sort of come out where it's just about power, and the only mm-hmm. reason that Atani ended up dying is because he wanted to make things more equal for everybody because he didn't. He disagreed right. with his his father, unlike Dinara, who idolized her father. And right. so, as that as those as that comes out, we all we see we see the ways that makes Dinara sort of not a perfect way to look through the world. Like yeah. that's how we come to understand her perspective is that she's mm-hmm. sort of blinded by this ideal of her father, which actually starts to break down a little. I think at the end of the a book. little. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that goes in in future volumes, if that becomes more of a thing, or if she reacts to it by clinging more tightly to him and his ideals. Because a big fear in this world, um, because demons were a big thing in the Crossroads series, and they're sort of a big thing here in in Black Wolves 2, but the knowledge has been lost a little bit as well. Right. And it's been suppressed, I think. Mm -hmm. It, It hasn't just been lost. I think that was very purposeful. And so... Denara is kind of bigoted toward the demons. And also, um, I'm not really sure, since I don't have 
the all the crossroads stuff like in my toolkit here i'm just i'm just maybe talking out of my ass but <laughs> i really feel like there's this whole other culture around demons and that we just don't understand because because of right. the suppression and once you find out later like in the like later in the book where Denara is like conf- she confronts Kellos and asks Kellos if Atani was a demon Kellos basically he does he confirms it and a sor- sort of kind of he, he confirms it Kellos doesn't confirm outright to Denara that Atani was a demon but he basically mm-hmm. says oh I can't share what he shared with me in confidence even though technically Kellos you can he's dead give right. me a break right so she just kind of goes uh a little she doesn't get angry i don't think not the same like not like i would think of as angry but this is uh-huh. it's kind of unexplored yet we haven't figured out how she's exactly right. going to react and i think that's going to have to come up later in other yeah. books and i'm really right. well, fascinated to see yeah well there's the whole thing with um Denara's father's second family his first wife who was a character she was one of the main characters in in spirit gate and i was kind of surprised to read black wolves and and find out what had happened to her and um, I, that's something that might be more explained in Crossroads and might not be. Um, that might be one of the things that they're going to slowly dole out as backstory. But that was really interesting to me, this whole, like, second family with uh, the demon girl who can wipe people's memories, whose name I've forgotten. And, but she's really interesting to me and what's going to happen with her. What excited me is that Merritt showed up in this book. Right, she got mentioned, right? Yeah, she got mentioned. And I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, can I have more of that, please? <laughs> I'm super excited. Although yeah, I've right. been I've been told that Merritt comes back in other Crossroads books, though. Yeah, that's what I heard too. Like this whole secret family that Atani keeps secret is part of Denar's thing, where she's trying to find out more about his past because mm-hmm. he's hidden a lot of things from her. Mm-hmm. And when when she starts examining the fact that she trusted him and he hid things, that's also when she starts like looking at her father and going. Like during the scene that I mentioned, where she can, where Denar confronts Tavahash about dressing the eagles against their will, uh-huh. she wonders about her father specifically. And like when she asked about a temple where you could, you could apparently the, these temples used to exist, where you could go and like learn about things like sex or uh, I guess I guess it's like a whole it's like social issues that you could just go and you could learn, right? And you could pay to have sex with people to learn how to do it. Apparently that was the thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And once she expressed interest in it, her father had them all shut down. People don't even know they existed exist anymore. That was never a thing. Like she's discovering that Atani kept all these secrets and her father was willing to go through like really a lot of work to keep some certain things from her. Right. I'm wondering how that's gonna change how she reacts to mm-hmm. the way that the book ends because we're gonna I think what's gonna I think what's gonna happen in the next book is that the the scope's gonna get much wider because there's also this war right. that they're fighting. And the the whole thing with the the queen's it's the it's the queen's is related to the emperor's family of the next country over, right? Mm-hmm. And they're having this whole big succession succession battle where the the queen of the hundred supports one of her relatives as a candidate and that gets all complicated. Like, because of the wars, there's been a lot of, like, orphans and slaves, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. one of these like, orphans got adopted by a family of the hundred. She ends up getting just to an eagle, right. and become, this is Lifka, who who ends up part right. of the Nara storyline, and apparently her family finds her. Right. And they're, they're like, uh, hey, uh, you're one of us. And she's like, I don't know who the fuck you are, guys. <laughs> Uh, get lost and then right. they try to kidnap her and it's a yeah, whole mess yeah and but I'm that and like... that all kind of just runs comes sort of comes rushing in at the end 
and mm-hmm. is not really resolved at all. So. No, like it's a it's a really interesting how she's like she resolves some things and she answers some questions in the book, but mm-hmm. she also opened up all these additional storylines, like with how Zanara gonna reconcile her assumptions about her family with the reality of her family and like how right. is Sarai going to survive her father or stepfather yeah or grandfather? Well, I don't know it's well her her own parentage is actually rather mysterious so, um so I but I think I think it's her grandfather like how is who's the patriarch not? or maybe yeah. her anyway it's some patriarch who's trying to control her life yes. um and annul her marriage and I'll be really interested to see if that pregnancy trick worked that was that was really something. <laughs> oh right, the whole thing with that's the, the whole thing where her husband's in prison and they keep she basically to... yeah. The ways she... that Kate Elliott deals with the types of oppression women can face uh-huh. and does it in a really like not not like kind of in an appropriate way, but a, like a look at this shit, y'all. This was real. Yeah. This shit happened. Yeah. But also the ways that women fight back against it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in, in many different ways, I mean, you know, you have, you have Sarai who, you know, is attempting to get pregnant, even though her husband is in prison and about to be sent on a forced march thousands of miles away from her. And you have the queen who's, you know, trying to take over by taking over the religion. And then you have the other queen who's got her own games that she's playing, her own political games that she's playing. And then of course, Denara. And it's really interesting to see how they all sort of take these oppressions and situations and and fight against them like war isn't just fighting with swords or strategy on a battlefield war is a thing that and i think her books do this really well is a thing that gets into all aspects of your life in ways Uh that you cannot control yes and pretending that it's like a straightforward kind of oh people men go to battle women stay home is not how it happens really the whole of your society is changed by waging war yeah. Even if that war is not like being actively fought with violence, mm-hmm. and that's one of the most important things that she's doing in this book, she's like showing not only is she showing how history can change over a generation to where mm-hmm. young people don't recognize what it used to be like; they only know this, right? They don't know the like they don't know what, to, what it took to get there. She's also right. like making this really important commentary about war and how it impacts like families and individuals yeah one of the most yeah. horrifying horrifying things about this book is poor gill who was one uh who marries mm-hmm. sarai and it's like an arranged marriage his family is like super shamed because they were his father was part of the plot to kill otani mm-hmm. i think is how it went it's been a while. yeah that's how it went and they um they basically uh castrated all his sons except for gill because he hadn't been born yet because right. he hadn't been born right. yet. Right. And I, I think, um, yeah, I think he was like, and they, and they, and they chose to leave him intact as sort of like just the one, the one chance that after he was born, they decided not to punish them any further, I guess. But yeah, here he is. He's like this whole family's only hope for a future. And that's a lot to put on anyone. And he's kind of, uh, it has kind of made him a brat. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's like, so you get these really interesting perspectives. Like we have Sarai and Gil, who are both really, really young. But then you have Dinara and Kellis, who are very, very old. And they right. they bring. They well, they're bring... not very, very old. <laughs> Fifty nine and seventy three. But okay, well, for they're epic, somewhat for, certainly for for epic fantasy protagonists. Yes, old. Which is yeah, <laughs> that's where I was coming from. They are very, very old for epic fantasy protagonists. 
Because I mean, what what are you what are we used to from Epic Fantasy? You're like it's like oh, I'm a 17 year old farm boy, right? So like 20 somethings, yeah. Lots so 20 somethings for Epic Fantasy, they are very very old. I will I will cling to this. They are very very old All characters right. for Epic Fantasy. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I will, I will I will caveat with for Epic Fantasy. So let's just say I'm closer to Dinara's age than I am to most Epic Fantasy protagonist age. So so it's not. I mean, no, no. So, I mean, that's a that's part of the thing. We talk about representation too. I think in uh-huh. media, absolutely. But a, like being ageism is a huge, huge issue mm-hmm. because like if you're talking about representation, where are you supposed to find like older protagonists? Right. Sometimes you find with with men, it's much easier to find older protagonists. With women, you are out of luck. Shit, out of luck. Pretty much. Good luck. But I mean, there's yeah. been like there's been a push though. I think for for having uh-huh. older protagonists in the past year or two. And yeah, there's a, there's I, a yeah. list somewhere. I I, think, uh, I linked in sidetracks a couple. Uh, yeah, we both linked. We both linked to it. It was funny. <laughs> on, <laughs> different, on different that. weeks, I think we both. Like, oh, okay. So now I'm curious. Who did we find it to each other? So yeah, I just think it's really interesting that they show that perspe- that different perspectives. But cause, but poor Gil, man, he goes through it. So uh-huh. he thinks he's going to have, like, he thinks he's going to be married and everything's going to work out. Surprise! Uh-huh. You're going to get thrown into, you're going to get thrown into war. And this is actually right. the, I did not expect, I don't go into Kate Elliott's work, like, guarded against rape scenes. Mm-hmm. I don't do it. Because I'm just like, she's not that type of writer. She's not here right. for, like, gratuitous sexual violence. Right. But holy shit, <laughs> there's some sexual violence Yes. And it was out of nowhere. I didn't expect... And I think that's probably why. Because it was... Uh-huh. I don't want to say it was well done. That sounds terrible. Wow. <laughs> but... It was effective. It was effective. Because... It was... Because when it happened and how it happened and who it happened to is not actually something you... You know, we talk mm-hmm. about... Oh, this is, you know, seeing lots of rape depicted in, in epic fantasy. But not, not that... Not that way. No. Definitely not. And I think and that's another reason that it's book is kind of important because you can't put rape into your fiction if the way you're including it is gratuitous and also mm-hmm. not that like devalues the victim right and i think that she does a really good job even though i was shocked oh yeah i, I was not, not expecting that coming that. <laughs> like like i had to stop i had to stop reading the book and i went to anna i'm just like anna do you want a spoiler about this book? She's like, what? I'm just like, uh, there's a rape on this page. And she's like, what? Like, I went, like, because I, I mean, looking back, I'm like, yeah, I kind of wish that I had been spoiled for that. Just like, <laughs> there's a rape on page X. Like, that would have been fine. But I didn't have that because yeah. I had an arc. So nobody else had read it yet. Oh. Mm. So it was kind of, so like, I'm like, there's a spoiler in this book, guys. If you want me to spoil you give send me a DM. Like, I got offered, like, to flat out spoil people for this, like, one thing because mm-hmm. I didn't expect it. I'm just like, oh, wow, I'm wrecking this book. I hope I don't upset people. Because <laughs> this book, like, it's kind of bleak in a lot of ways. Like, there's happy okay. moments, but. Sure. But what we're, but the book is kind of like, you're on a cusp of a political coup, of, of war. Uh-huh. And, like, in a lot of ways, that's really, really bleak, because you don't know if everybody's going to come out the other side. Well, it's book one of a trilogy, right? That's that's what, that's where you start setting up a certain... Oh, sorry. Hi, Cat. kitty! Okay, <laughs> did you hear that? Meow! Um, <laughs> she tried to crawl on my chest, and that's where my microphone is, so that's no good. It's the first book of the trilogy, 
and to a certain extent, the first, you know, it's, there's a, there's a, a structure, I think that's really common to trilogies where the first book is setting up the situation and you see kind of what's good and what's bad. And then you have to start escalating that bad stuff. So I'm not, it's, it sort of has that sort of rhythm to it, but you have to have good stuff in there too, because, you know, it's hard to get invested in a world where everything is terrible, mm-hmm. which is my problem with the grim dark is that, you know, if, if everything is terrible, why should I care? <laughs> Right. I think this book, I mean, it's bleak, but I think it does good things. Like, it, Denara mm-hmm. survives, and she stays with her eagle. And, mm-hmm. I mean, Sarai and Gil are separated, but their romance is still there, and they still care about right. each other. And right. we see the person who killed Atani, or, like, what helped, you know, help right. get his right. comeuppance. Get his due. And we also, I mean, it's it's, you know, definitely, you know, heroic people die and bad things happen to them. But some of the villains get their comeuppance in this book already. I know. I'm, I was like, real excited about it. I was excited and I was surprised. Some of the characters who were killed off in this book, I was expecting them to be antagonists all the way through. and um, so that, But then they died before the end of the first book. So I think it's because they're too, like, they think too small. Like, their ambitions are smaller and I think we're going to a water, because we're going mm-hmm. to bump up against this other culture, this other empire. Right. I think our, our true antagonists, our long-term antagonists are actually more of them are going to come from there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this book was just setting all that up and sort of dispensing with the, the smaller obstacles so that there can be bigger obstacles still to come. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I don't know when the next book's coming out. I want to say next year, but I don't remember if there's a release date. No, there's not. No. But I kind of got the impression that this isn't going to be a one-book-a-year series. No. It's going to be two or three years between as long as she doesn't pull a George R. R. Martin, I'm... She better not. I, will... I know where she lives. <laughs> I will come. I will come to your house, Kate. I will come, and I will break into your computer, and I will read your drafts. That's what I'll do. <laughs> and then you'll send them to me. Yes. Okay. Because that's totally sure. not a felony, breaking and entering. Oh. It's fine. <laughs> So we really love this book, right? We really loved it. It was so We good. really love this book. Yes, this Super is a great fun. book. And uh, I really look forward to the rest of the series. And also to, you know, getting time to go back and read Crossroads as well. Yes, you should. You should finish the first one, at least. Because I think the first one is For really... Sure. Yeah. There's a lot of great characters you might not have met yet. Um, yeah. That I really liked. Cool. So, I, even, I even have a copy of the second book. You do. I picked it up. Yeah, I forget. I, I was somewhere and I I saw a copy of it and I was I don't know looking to fill out a four for three or something paper with paperbacks and I'm like sure that'll do. I picked it up. So yeah, no, I have it. I'll get to it. Just so many books to read. There's so many, and Kate has published like nine thousand of them. So nine thousand of them. Yes. Or you know like yes. thirty something. I don't know. Nine thousand seems more is ac- it, like accurate. Like, is it is it Jaron is the name of the other long series? Um, yeah, Jaron. Jaron. One of my one of my favorite used bookstores is sadly possibly closing, no, hopefully what? just moving. I know, and uh, they don't know yet. Uh, they have their last day at the current location. They don't know yet whether they're going to be able to move. But they had a giant, you know, a big old book sale, and I picked up. They had Jaron, so I got that. That's a really also. good book. It made me real mad. <laughs> I mean, I liked it. Oh, yeah. Like, I yelled about it a lot because the main character, <laughs> the main dude, was like, "You asshole! You have to read this book. It's going to make you so angry." Uh, well, you're friends with me. You knew this was going to happen. 
But no, it's really good. Like the, I really like the main character in that in Duran. I think Duran is a really good example of like planetary romance where uh-huh. the woman gets to like go on adventures and like be super strong and smart and but cool. also like learn new things and uh-huh. not be shamed over her sexuality, which is nice. That's excellent. So yes, I then, recommend it. And then of course there's the new Court of Fives book that is coming out this year. I have a copy. You already have making me super jealous. I'm sorry. I need to like find time to read it. I've just been I've been so sick and busy with catching oh. up on stuff that I have not cracked it open yet. But hopefully, hopefully soon I'm gonna because yeah. I wanna oh. I'm gonna scream about it from as many places as possible. The first book <laughs> Court of Fives. It was really interesting, and I've, I've had this conversation where I don't like the narrative of the book. I like the story, but I don't like the narrative because I feel like it's over edited. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. That didn't bother. I didn't see no, that at all. I no, really like. Yeah. I love that. Nobody else but me no. sees it. Like it's like, <laughs> yeah. we had this. You and me have had this discussion, right? Where we talk about where I talk about flow, and you're like, "What the hell are you talking about, Renee?" No, I, I, I know what flow. Is. I, 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 I hear you on flow. It's, it's a thing. Like um, it's just to like to my ears, it it sounds like her, but suppressed. Mm. If that makes sense, and I know that I'm the I, only one that's yeah. getting that. Nobody, everybody else is like, <laughs> "Are you on crack?" It's, it sounds exactly like her. I'm like, "Yes," but it sounds like her. But like she's, they've taken out some words, which you have to. It's YA, but may, like I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll see. But it was really, it was a really great story. No, I really like the story a whole lot. I did not. It's another it's an interesting ex- world, fascinating world. I did not see the layering in Quarter Fives coming either. It was perfect. Uh-huh. Did not yeah. see it coming. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy about it. Have you read the um, the backstory novella about? Not yet. I haven't, but I haven't read it yet. It's really cute. Sort of sad when you know it's coming. But... Oh, sad stuff. But not sad in in and of itself. I need I need Kate Light to write me a very very happy space opera, which <laughs> is probably never going to happen. Very very happy. No, it's not going to happen. Come on, Renee, get over it. But I can dream. Okay, I can dream. So Black Wolves was published by Orbit. It is available now, and I just want to impress on everybody that you can absolutely go read it. It is only 800 pages long. If you just focused, you could get it done in two weeks. It's it doable. reads fast. Yes, it does. It does read very fast. It reads fast. I, I, you know, I didn't find it particularly difficult to finish, you know, even, even at length. I give it five yes, out of five no. space bees. Five space bees for sure. And thank you for coming and talking about it with me. You're welcome. Because I, it's really long and poor Anna is really busy. <laughs> someday, Anna, someday you will read it. She, when she, once she finishes having zillion, a zillion jobs, yes, she'll have time to read it. <laughs> and so that's it for our discussion of Black Wolves. Have you read Black Wolves? If you have, let us know what you think about it. You can send us an email at fingerhappyhourgmail.com. And you can find KJ on Twitter at... I am KJ. Yes. And you can talk to her about Black Wolves too. Or anything, really. Or anything. Because it's great. Black Wolves is great. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Fangirl Happy Hour is Anna Grillo and me, Renee Williams. I'm also our producer. You'll find links to some of our discussion topics in our show notes at fangirlhappyhour.com. You can email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com. You can find us on Tumblr and Facebook at fangirlhappyhour. One long word, no spaces. You can chat with us on Twitter at fangirlpodcast. You can also find us under our personal accounts at booksmugglers and at Renee. Our music is by Boxcat Games. Our logo is by the very talented era. You can commission them at justera.tumblr.com.
For both myself and Anna, thanks for listening. See you next episode.